Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going to jump into our message this morning, and we're, we're kind of on part two of our four series. And, uh, and, and so four being four dot, dot, dot. And we've been taking some of these, like, four statements and trying to put them into some practical sense to kind of understand a little bit of, like, how and why we would do this and, and how, did, how does Jesus see this. And, and when Preston came to me and was like, I got this idea, we're going to do this sermon series for dot, dot, dot. I got to tell you, sometimes Preston comes and he's got, sometimes Preston's a bit on the weird side. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, okay? So occasionally he comes with some strange ideas. This, and I go, I don't see how that's going to work. This was not one of them. When he came and said, this is what I think we should do, I was like, that is a great idea. You don't need to explain that anymore to me. I'm excited about doing that. And, and hopefully, hopefully, giving us a chance to kind of reimagine a little bit, okay? To, to reimagine just a little bit about what occupies the mind and the heart of God. You hear that? I'm hoping that this series, even this morning, gives us a chance to reimagine what occupies the mind and heart of God. Now, when I say reimagine, I don't mean place something that wasn't real in. Okay, so I'm not suggesting that we take something that didn't happen or wasn't real and putting it in. What I'm actually suggesting is that we might relearn what was actually there what is actually stated or taught in the scriptures, what we actually see Jesus do. Not just what we hear him say or, or the authors say, but what we see them do. And, and remember, as much can be learned about what is said, or sorry, as much can be learned about what is done as what is said. Right? Parents, are you with me on that one? Right? We can say lots of things. Right? If we don't actually live those things out in front of our kids? Does it work? It doesn't work, right? Then we find ourselves saying, you know, do what I say, not what I do, right? And then, then we go and do it, because that's like the license to go and do whatever we want to do, right? And so, so I think, I think, and this, I think this is a fact, I think that we have been taught unintentionally to grasp onto what God is not for. I think we have an unintentionally taught to grasp onto the principles of what God is not for. I think as, as humans, like it's human nature for us to kind of like gravitate towards the list of don'ts. Right? Anybody there? Anybody old churchgoers here with me that are like, yeah, I was taught what not, that was, that's what I remember. That doesn't mean that you weren't taught what God was for. It just means you remember what God is not for. Right? And now, now I, I, I'm not going to attack completely, not completely, because that, that is actually how I was raised. 
So even in saying that, occasionally my mother goes, like, did we teach him that? That doesn't mean that that's what, that's what happened. It just means as humans, we, we grasp on to those things, right? Now, now it, it, it isn't that we grasp onto those things because we have bad intentions. I think actually the, these things that we were taught when we were kids or whenever it was, right, was th- that it was actually with the best of intentions that we were taught those things. The best of intentions that we would live well, right? Best of intentions that we would avoid pain and avoid hardship. It was, it was with the best of intentions that we would protect ourselves and protect the people around us that we love, right? That was actually our good intention in, in, in teaching this way. Watch out for this. Be careful of that, right? And then all that wrapped up in this like, but don't worry. I was pressing with that, right? All wrapped up in that like, same message. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. But don't worry. As God says, don't worry. Does anybody see the weird tension there? That's the message that's come out. There's a weird tension there. So I just, I just want to point that out. I, I'm not going to actually say any more about how you get rid of that tension. I think it's a legit tension and it's just there. So sometimes it's better to just say, yeah, there it is. There's the tension. Right? So I, I just wanted to point that out a little bit more. Right? Along the way, Christendom, right, has created a longer list of don'ts than it has a list of do's. And that is unfortunately quite tragic. Because we have a Savior, we have this God, right, who came actually to free us. This was like the goal of Jesus coming here, was to free us, right? To, to actually, in a sense, give us the list of, of do's, not the list of don'ts. It was meant for that. That's what God was about. That's why Jesus came, was for that, right? And instead, what we've picked up, right, is this somehow understanding of these postures of, of judgment, these postures of, of living in, in shame, embarrassment and, and all of those things, right? Reimagining, relearning what God is for or who God was for finds us developing a new foundation. Just think about this. A new foundation of where our mind goes when we think about the heart of God, when we think about the mind of God and what God thinks about. We start thinking and relearning where, where God's mind is at, where God's heart is at, and I guarantee you, your foundation for your faith will first be shaken. It'll be scary. And then we'll have a great foundation to begin to build on what it is in the life that God actually imagines for us and dreams for us, right? Right? For example, when we walk around our community, right? Perhaps we might see a different theme in our community. Perhaps we might see our neighbors differently if we saw them as someone or this place as some place that God is for and not against. Right? So perhaps if a neighbor moved in next to you and they happen to operate a lot of power tools and you can hear them, right? If you could see that neighbor as somebody that God is for, suddenly the power tools would, would be far less irritating, wouldn't they? 
Just a little personal thing there. I just moved into a new neighborhood, and I'm loud. I am definitely loud. And I'm sure my neighbors are like, I think that guy's going to be loud, right? But if we could imagine that, if we could see that, and we go for walks, we go to the grocery store, and we go to these places, if we could see what God is for, rather than immediately see what God is against or not for, I think it would change everything about the way in which we experience our faith in the way we experience God in our own life, in our own story, but also in the life of our community. Fair? Okay. So, so last week, Pastor Preston talked about Nazareth, okay? And, and so we're going to kind of jump in here. He kicked off the series talking about where Jesus was from and what Jesus was for in Nazareth, okay? And so I'm going to give you a quick recap on that uh, just to kind of set us up for this new place that we're going to talk about. So Nazareth was a small place, Okay, it was a small place. It was kind of located up in the hills. It was remote, right? It was a place that you kind of needed a reason to go and visit, right? Kind of like Carsland, okay? Right, it was a destination of nowhere, right? <laughs> Unless you were going to visit somebody, you didn't go to Nazareth. Why would you do that, right? I'm not, not a bad place, Carsland, not a bad place, but you kind of got to know somebody to go to Carsland, right? Otherwise, you don't go there. Simple as that, right? So, and I wanted somewhere local. I was going to say Winnipeg, but then I realized the internet, you know, people in Winnipeg are going to hear that we think that's the end of the world. <laughs> I think I might have just said that for the internet. <laughs> right? But, but, but Nazareth was a place you didn't, you didn't go. Okay? It was a place actually where, where they grew what they ate, and they ate what they grew, and that was it kind of thing, right? That was what Nazareth was like, right? It, it was actually a place, and this is kind of important, it was a place that was predominantly Jewish, like basically predominantly meaning like 100% Jewish, okay? <laughs> so fairly predominant, okay? Uh, so, so, right, so it, it was a place actually where if you wanted to be a good Jew, like this would be a great place to, to practice your, your Jewishness, Right? Because everybody was trying to follow these rules. It was, it, was, it, was, it was one of the places where you could kind of be kind of like a, like a legalist Jew kind of thing. Okay? Just throwing that out. Right? And, and this is the place where, where Jesus grew up. Right? And I, I, I almost said this. I almost said it was kind of like a place where you could kind of fortress up. You know? Like, oh, did I just say that? Yeah. It was a place you could, you could hide a little bit from the world. It was disconnected like that. Am I making my point so far? Okay, a few other, few other things, right? Now, Jesus was a Jew, remember? And, and, and Jesus says that salvation was going to come via the Jews. It was prophesied before. Jesus reassures them, all those kind of things. You would think, actually, right, that, that when Jesus was going to call his disciples, Right, when he was starting out his ministry, then he would call those disciples from Nazareth, right? Right, the place where there was just really good Jews to draw on. Right? And yet, that's not actually what happened. But you would have thought, if, if Jesus was looking for, you know, 12 God-fearing, faithful Jewish people, that Nazareth would have been a great place to call them from, right? Be like going to the seminary and choosing pastors, 
right? It would be a great place to go find a pastor for your church at the seminary. There's a couple local ones if you're thinking about replacing me anytime soon, right? But that's where you would go, right? Except that's not where Jesus chooses to draw his, his pool of disciples from. In fact, what we see actually is Jesus makes his way uh, down uh, from the hills of Nazareth into a place called Capernaum. Okay, and Capernaum was in the was in the is in the region of Galilee. It was right on the Sea of Galilee, and and there and and this is kind of the place where Jesus moves his headquarters to, so to speak, the the place where he starts his ministry. Now, Capernaum was definitely not Nazareth. Okay, a couple details on 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 Capernaum. Okay, it was located in the region of Galilee. It was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. It was a it was a, a waterfront town. Okay. Anybody hear that? If you're on the internet, Chestamere is a waterfront town. Okay, so they were they were they were on the water. Okay, so their industry was fishing. They were a fishing community. They did a lot of fishing, right? Their their uh, their town actually uh, of Capernaum was located on on kind of a main highway that made its way through the area. Okay, bringing lots of goods, shipping and receiving goods. Okay, sound familiar? Okay, tons of sinners there, okay, lots of bad people there, right? Sound familiar? Okay, it was, it was a messy town. It was a place that was used to having visitors coming through. Okay, it, it, it was not predominantly Jewish. It was actually predominantly Gentile. It's a little bit different. Any Gentiles here? Put your hand up. Unless you're Jewish, put your hand up, okay? You are a Gentile, all right? So basically, for those who just tuned in, especially those in the room that just tuned in, okay? A Gentile is somebody who wasn't a Jew. Basically, if you were not Jewish, you were a Gentile. It didn't matter what other, but that's, that's where you fell. And, and predominantly in that period of time, the Jews that were observing the Gentiles pretty much thought they were not good people. They just weren't righteous, they weren't holy, they, there was a lot of judgment and a lot of those kind of things towards these people. Well, well Capernaum was a place like that, okay? So, so much so that actually the people up in Nazareth would have said about the people down in the Galilee region, they actually called them the Galilee of the Gentiles. Okay, so they actually referred to the region of Galilee as the Galilee of the Gentiles, meaning the Gentiles are there. So, so this choice to move there was, was a strange one from a Jewish perspective, right? That's a strange thing to do. Okay, not to mention just up the road, and this is the kicker, not to mention just up the road was Caesarea Philippi. And let me, don't, don't even get me started what was happening in Caesarea Philippi. But I, I will get, just, I'll say a couple things because I'm a pastor and i got to say lots of words so you get your money's worth. Caesarea Philippi was essentially the center for pagan worship. Okay? And it was just up the road. So, so not only was the region of Galilee, right, the Galilee of the Gentiles, but it was also on the way towards paganism. You hear me? It was like the slippery slope towards the unrighteous. Okay? And Jesus went there too, by the way. Different story, different sermon. But he went there too. 
Okay. So, so this is where Jesus finds himself, right? He finds himself there. Is everybody catching my point? These two places, fairly significantly different, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? <laughs> One's up in the hills, kind of a fortress, hotbed for Jewish activities, right? One's down in the valley, filled with Gentiles, people like, like me <laughs> and, and you, right? Messy, confused, right? All of those things, right? Did the camera just shut off? I think the internet just left. Whew. Now I can say whatever I want. I don't have to worry about the internet saving it forever, okay? So, and I can walk around too. How fun is this going to be? Okay, so until the little light, red light comes on, I get to walk around. All right, so, so here's this place, right? You're getting my point. These two places were so opposite of each other. They were so opposite of each other. And, and one would wonder, why is it that Jesus would decide to go from a safe place to a place that, that, that wasn't as safe, where, where actually humans and individuals were, were confused and challenged in, in so many ways? Right? Just imagine that. Even imagine what that must have been like for Jesus to make that walk from one place to the other, right? It's like, I'm going to say this because it's not on the internet now. Occasionally on St. Patty's Day, I like to stop in one of our local uh, places, okay? And I love it, actually, because, because I walk in on St. Patty's Day, and as a pastor who's somewhat known in our community, it's hilarious to see how many of people at Lakeridge freak out, okay, that are there already. They're like, Pastor Evans here. <laughs> right? The drink slides off the edge, you know. Right? Like it happens. And I've, I've, I try to do it almost every year because, because I find it hilarious <laughs> to see people's reaction. Right? The pastor's here. The tavern. Right? And so here comes Jesus. Imagine him strolling into Capernaum. Right? And we would think he was there to, to let him have it, right? He was there to let him have it. Now, now, Jesus does, actually some of his, he does encourage people to repent there. Now, now in those days uh, when they were encouraged to repent, they were encouraged to repent all the time, okay? So everything, the, the word repent was used all of the time. Today we hear the word repent as something really like offensive, right? It's, it's almost like, it's like somebody's suggesting we shouldn't live the way that we're living. Right? We, we like to live the way we're living, don't we? Look to anybody? Yeah, yeah. Just bring up the mask conversation sometime. See if people like to live the way they're living. Right? I swear, sometimes I talk more about masks these days than I do about Jesus. It's, it's hard. If we, if we could read as many articles, this is a side note, oops. If we could read as many articles about God and the kingdom of God and what God is doing as we do about masks, can you imagine where we would be? I'll just throw that out there because the internet's off. <laughs> okay? Think about that. 
Just, just think about that. Right? Anyways, here comes Jesus. He strolls into town, and, and, he, and he's calling people to repent. He's calling them to consider living a different way. And, and actually, what he's calling them to live is not a more restricted way. He's actually calling them, and get this, this is what we miss out. He's actually calling them to live a more free way. You see, the message of Jesus about repentance was actually a pathway towards freedom. It was a pathway towards freedom. It's not how we hear it in our culture when we read that. But that's actually what was taking place. So Jesus strolls into town. First thing he does, a little bit of repentance sermon. Then, boom, let's pick some disciples. Right? Let's pick the smartest, most godly, most well-trained, you know, seasoned, wise people we could possibly pick. Right? That's what Jesus is doing. Nope. Out of this messy place, this Gen this, this Galilee of the Gentiles, Jesus chooses young, uneducated, blue-collar fishermen. Why did he pick them? Just a real quick thing. Why would he have picked them? Why go to Capernaum to pick these guys? Do you think it's possible that it's because they actually knew the culture? Do you think it's possible it's because they demonstrate, demonstrated a less judgmental perspective of their neighbors and the visitors who were passing through? Do you think it's possible that these young men, in this case men, we think these days we think women can do just as good a job of discipling, by the way. But in the, those days it was a different way they saw things, right? But... Do you think it was because they actually demonstrate a heart that wasn't pompous? That was open to hearing and listening to the stories of the people who were passing through their region, through their town? Do you think it was possible because they knew what it was like to live and to work really, really hard for a day's wage? I think it was. I think he picked some normal guys. Some normal guys. To do this and he picked them out of this particular reason. First order of business, assemble a team of people is what Jesus did. Right? To teach them about the kingdom of God, to teach them about the heart of God, to teach them the foundational things of what it meant to be a follower of God. To teach them what God and who God was for. Right? This was what he was doing. And then Jesus, when he's establishing himself in this place, in this region of Galilee, because he was for Galilee, he preaches some pretty amazing sermons. And Preston actually referred to one of those sermons talking about, about worrying. And then that's one of those things I'd actually like you to hear loud and clear is actually that Jesus wasn't talking to some obscure audience on the internet. Jesus knew the people he was talking to. He knew what they were experiencing. He knew what they were going through. When Jesus talks about don't worry, it's because his audience was worrying. He was very, very intentional about what he was talking about. The images, the analogies, the metaphors, all these things, the topics he addresses, all topics that were happening in the day, in the culture. 
The reason why you can take your Bible out and you can apply it to so many things that are happening in our culture today? Right? Because they were written, they were preached, they were spoken to people who were experiencing them just like you and me. So Jesus gets up, he speaks one of his most famous sermons. It's called the Sermon on the Mountain. It takes place about, what do you think, Preston, kilometer and a half from Capernaum? Like, this is what's weird. We hear these places, we go, whoa, it must be a long ways. From Capernaum, I've been there. From Capernaum, you can see where the Sermon on the Mountain was preached. And from the Sermon on the Mountain, you can look down over the Sea of Galilee. Easy. This wasn't a long walk. Okay, so, so, so this, is, this is what he has. And I'm actually going to read a little bit of, the, of, of that sermon, but, but I'm going to do it in a second. Okay? And the reason why I'm going to do it in a second is because that's how I want to wrap up today. But, but, and and the why, why I want to wrap up there is because I want the Beatitudes, my altered version of Jesus' Beatitudes, because they're not on the internet now, so I can change the Bible to sound however I want. Okay? I'm, I'm joking. But, I, but I've changed some words in there so we hear the intent of what Jesus was doing when he preached this Beatitude sermon, this Sermon on the Mount, okay? And, and I want us to end this morning by hopefully seeing these Beatitudes as a lens to which we could see what Jesus was for, what God's heart and mind were for. Okay, so I, I, I do really want to do that, right? But first I want to talk a little bit more about this Galilee region. Okay, so the first reason, why would Jesus choose the sea, this Galilee region? It was a strategic reason. Okay, the strategic reason was there was a lot of people that were coming there and passing through there, and it was a great spot to have this, this good news, this, this repentance freedom message that Jesus was preaching get spread out all over, all over the world. Okay? And so going there and living there where travelers were coming through made complete and total sense to him. Now, when we started Lake Ridge, if, if, if our vision and our goal was simply to just do Sunday mornings, well, then, then I was living in Strathmore 10 years ago, and there would be no reason for me to move here. You hear me? No reason to move here if the, if the goal of Lake Ridge, for example, was, was to just do church on Sunday morning. Then it would make more sense to stay where I was, right? But that's not the goal of what we're trying to do here. This isn't the goal. This is a good thing. Don't, don't hear me. And definitely I miss this. My sermons are way longer since we started doing this. I don't know if you noticed. I'm like a third of the way through. So don't worry. Okay. So, right? Like, but, but this, is the, this is the reality. This church is not actually about this hour. This church is actually about the, all the other hours in between this hour and next week's hour. It's about how are we going to see how God's heart and mind, the foundation of what we believe, but also what our church is grounded on, is about our community. It's about sharing this good, freeing message to the neighbors and those around us. It's about listening to our community so that the messages that we preach, that we speak, the actions that we perform... Everything that we do is focused at trying to communicate a message of freedom to our friends and our neighbors and those in our community. It was profoundly important that we live here if we want to have that happen. Right? That was the first thing. Jesus strategically knew that. Okay? Right? Jesus also moved there to fulfill a prophecy. A prophecy was something that had been said, you know, way earlier. 
Okay? We're not going to, I'm not even preaching on this part. This is a significant part of this story, though. That the prophet Isaiah had actually prophesied that the Messiah would come and that he would be in, in the hills in Bethlehem and that he would make his way into the shadow of death. The Galilee of the Gentiles. Okay? I'm going to get more into that, but this is, this is the, the prophecy that was given. Okay? We, maybe that's a whole different sermon. Um, um, second thing, he was there. He was there quite intentionally because there were hurting people there. Do you hear that? Not the phone, me. Actually, do you hear me? Okay. He was there because there were hurting people there. He was there because he was needed there. Hear that? He was there because he was needed there. Capernaum and the people there were a people who needed Jesus. And you know Jesus wants to meet your needs? Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus wants to meet your needs? He wants to meet your needs. He wants to show you that he is for you and not against you. It's a harder message to grasp. It's easy to say, well, these are the things Jesus isn't for. Well, boy, you take that home and you go, so what is Jesus for? And the first thing at the top of that list is you and I. He is for you. Jesus is for you. Right? He wants to meet your needs. This last six months have been a reminder to me of my own personal needs. Anybody else? How many of you have actually spent just a few minutes reflecting in the last six months on what you actually need? Right? If you haven't, I actually think it might be a good idea, and here's why. If you are not doing the self-work to identify what you believe you need, then how do you know if Jesus has ever met that need or not? How will you ever know how to give credit to God fulfilling those needs if you don't know what they are? If you aren't willing to do the work to identify what it is that you need, need, not want, need, then how will you know if God has actually met that need? Well, the logical step is actually you don't. So then the logical step for me is, what do we praise God for then? If we don't praise God for meeting our needs and meeting us where we're at, then what are we doing? Honestly, I, I think we're giving lip service to something that we should take far more seriously. Right? Spending time, doing the reflective work, identifying our own personal needs is actually about understanding what God is doing in us. Our human nature, like we said, will go towards what God is not doing. But that's not necessarily true. Okay? Okay. So that's my question for you today. What are your needs? What is it that you actually need, right? I can share a couple of mine, but I, I do want you to think about that. I'm going long, so I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, even though I was hoping to. I just, 
Sorry, I talked too much and now there's no time for you. Okay. I need friendship. I learned how badly I need friendship in the last six months. I was lonely. They had a little group of cohorts when they finally allowed that. It was like I, I lived for the Friday and Saturday when I would get to see my friends. Never have I experienced that before. When it was hard on Tuesday, I'd go, yeah, but I know on Sunday I'm going to be hanging out with some of my friends. It's going to be okay. I need friendship. I need it. I realized I needed it. I need to look people in the eye. I need it. It's a legit need. I was not made to be isolated and to be alone. I learned that most significantly. I knew that before, and I've preached that before, but I, I experienced that in the last six months. Oh, I need to look you in the eye. I like seeing your smile and your face, but I need to look you in the eye. And this is something that COVID will never take from us. It will never take the ability to look each other in the eye to hear each other's stories, to listen to each other's pains and sufferings. It's not going to take that from us unless we let it. Unless we let it. I need it. I need it to be reminded that God has not forgotten me. That God has not forgotten me. That God has not forgotten us. That God has not forgotten us. The last thing, and this is related to us, I needed to be reminded that Lake Ridge is not mine. It is not mine. It is God's. This place is God's place. These people, you, are God's people. You are not my people. Often I wondered in the last six months, will Lake Ridge survive? Will my... My child that I've been trying to tend to for a decade, will it survive? These are the questions I ask myself. Do you realize the selfish nature of the direction of that questioning? Not everything I learned during COVID was, you know, shining a bright light on how awesome I am. But I realize how tightly I hold on to this place as mine. Maybe that's you too. God. God grew this place. God established this place. And God will sustain this place long before I'm, long after I'm dead and gone. This place is going to be here because it's God's place and he isn't going anywhere. Remind yourself of that when things get crazy. I had to be reminded that God is for us. I recited this verse from Jeremiah. and It's a popular one, but I'm going to read some things on the front and some of the things on the back for you. Listen to this. Jeremiah 29. The prophet Jeremiah is talking about what good thing he's gonna, that God is going to do. Listen to this. It says, God says, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then, and this is the best part, then you will call on me 
and I will listen to you. You will call on me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Seek God with all of our heart and he promises we will find him because you are never lost to him. Wow, right? See, Jesus was in Capernaum for you and I. He was in the Galilee of the Gentiles for you and I. Because he is for us, not against us. Right? Listen to this, and maybe you could listen to this prayerfully, whatever it takes. I am actually wrapping it up here. I'm going to read for you some of the Beatitudes, and I'm going to add in some four statements at the beginning. And my hope is that we might be able to both hear this as a lens for seeing what God is for and who God is for, but also that we may also find ourselves on this list. It's a little bit of each. Listen to this. Jesus says, My Father is for the poor of spirit. He says, my father is for those who mourn and need comfort. He says, my father is for the meek. My father is for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and goodness. My father is for the merciful. My father is for the pure of heart. My father is for the peacemaker. My father is for the persecuted. My father is for those who are picked on. My Father is for those who are accused falsely, for those who are gossiped about, for those who are lied about and attacked because of who they are and who they were made to be. A Father is for all of those categories and for all of those people. And incidentally, Jesus found himself on this list as well. Jesus found himself in this list as well. You and I were not alone in that. This wasn't just for the audience. This was for the preacher. This was for the Messiah to hear himself. That his Father in heaven was for him. A message for each of us to understand and to grasp. Do you find yourself on this list? I know I do. Do you find your neighbors and our community on this list? I know I do. This is who God was for. He chose Capernaum very intentionally. I think it's something for us to remember. This Capernaum place was a whole lot like Chestamere. These people, a whole lot like us. May we remember that the foundation of what God's heart beats for, where his mind goes, is that he is for you and I. He is for you. Remember that. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you. You are a God who has has not just said with words that you are for us, but that you demonstrated through action by sending your son to come down and demonstrate how much you are for us. 
God, for each of us that's come into this place that's confused about what, what you're for or what you're against, God, I pray, might you give us clarity so that we might be able to build a strong, strong foundation of what you are about. God, may we relearn, may we reimagine these good things. God, I pray, be with us now as we go from this place. Might you be with those who take this next step in their faith into the waters of baptism and following you. May they become people who are for you, for your community, and for your mission. We pray these things in your name. Amen.